dugout steps with first base. McCutcheon's throw. The runner breaks to the plate. Here's the throw. Wow. You are listening to the North Shore 9 podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, make sure to watch NS9 Live every Thursday on Twitch and help support by becoming a patron. Let's go, Bucks! Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to NS9 Live. I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo. With me, we got Tyler. We got Jim. What's up, everyone? What's going on, guys? 500 buckos. 500 buckos. Three and three, baby. This is probably the high water mark of the year. <laughs> it, uh, it very well could be. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see tomorrow. It's possible it could come tomorrow. Let's yeah. think about like where we stand right now. Three and three. 500 baseball club. And we've had back-to-back games of a player who has four hits. Cabrian Hayes yesterday, Jim's leadoff man, Vogelbach, four hits apiece. Love it. Yeah, yesterday was much more exciting with uh, Cabrian Hayes being the one with four hits. Vogelbach, much less exciting. (laughs) But Vogelbach did, you know, Homer... He was a triple shy of the uh, triple shy of the cycle, which I think a Daniel Vogelbach triple <laughs> is almost impossible. But uh, I don't know. It was it, the last two games have been very fun games to watch. Uh, the offense has looked very competent. It has, and I disagree, Tyler. I mean, of course, like in big picture, like I mean, Cabrian Hayes having four hits is a great thing. But you said fun to watch. I don't think anything's more fun than watching Daniel Vogelbach have four hits in a game. Yeah, that's a fair assessment, but you know what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking future. Vogelbach's not part of it. Cabrian, Cabrian Hayes coming I mean, off. Is he, is he not? I mean, guy's a beast. Extend, He's got another year in deal. Pick that up, right? It's a two-year but, deal. Yeah, but Hayes coming off the contract extension. The in the forehead game, it's it'll it'll raise it a little bit. We'll see. We'll see. It makes it move. So uh, the, the the Hayes game yesterday was great, excellent, just a perfect game all around for him, defensively, offensively, and uh, today definitely, yeah, it was fun to see uh, see Vogelbach have those four hits, the the home run to to lead things off in the first inning. Yeah, it's offense is clicking. I think someone tweeted out earlier. I think we're fifth in in the majors and hits right now, and like ninth in runs scored. Like, who would have thought that? Especially after that opening day. Where is that total? Looked. I think so. Because that's with that's with losing a game. So as I, I was tweeting out today, yeah. clearly Pittsburgh Pirates offense is a juggernaut. Hands down, no argument. It's a juggernaut. Totally sustainable. Absolutely it is. Four hits a night is nothing. If if the player does not get four hits going forward, it's a complete failure. Yeah, exactly. Kevin Newman's next. 
I mean, who, again, a little bit there. <laughs> Evan Newman has been like a doubles machine. I do want to talk oh. about him a little tonight. Yes. Three doubles on the year. Had another one tonight. Up to a 114 weighted runs created plus for uh, for Kevin Newman. Still hitting like 230, which is the absolute opposite of everything Kevin Newman has ever done. 217, and yes. Slugging like, 500. <laughs> the ideal picture of Kevin Newman is like 288, 320, and 388 with like a 90 WRC plus. That's That's like the ceiling right there, yeah. And I know he struck out today. Another one that stands out was he watched three pitches go by him. I don't think it was last game. I think the game before or something. Three pitches go by him. He didn't even swing at, struck out. So, like, he's striking out, low average, hitting for a little bit of power here. Or are we seeing a different Kevin Newman? Now, yes, part of that just being a little bit funny here. But, 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 but. Keep all things fair. We've done our share of trashing Kevin Newman. He's got a little bit of gap power. As you mentioned, Jim, he's he's driving the ball. Now, I'm not saying he's a home run hitter by any means, but he is doing something this year opposed to last year where the ball went 13 feet into the dirt. He's driving the ball into the outfield like it's hitting grass. I know it's short. He's got a few early of those part of the season. <laughs> but, but, but he has driven the ball a little this year so far. Okay. <laughs> right, let's pump the brakes a little bit here. It's six games. So listen, I'm not out know, here saying man. Kevin Newman is the starting shortstop and he's elite and he's great. All I'm saying is I'll give him credit where it's due. We have trashed him. And so far he's had a good week. That's fair enough so far. Yeah. Yep. That's fair. That's fair. Here's essentially where I'm at on Kevin Newman. It's been six games. We all know it. He's not, he's lifting the ball right now and driving a gap to gap, which we haven't seen really since his one okay, slightly good season. Right. I mean, it's a positive. He's really just seeing the guy lift the ball is nice and he's finding barrels. That's all I'm getting at. That's all, all I'm, I'm getting. I'm not, I am not even cautiously optimistic. He will probably revert back to Kevin Newman. Probably. But just, yeah. just have our eyes peeled. I've He's put a good week together. Correct. Correct. Yep. The approach has been good for a week. He still is in the first percentile for average exit velocity to start the year. Also first percentile in barrel percentage. So... I get it, but <laughs> fair. How I get it. <laughs> compare his compare compare his ground ball rate last year to this year. He's not chopping the ball on the ground. I would assume. I haven't looked at any of this. Well, he can't. If he already has three doubles, he's already hit more balls in the air this year than all of last fair. year. So, like, I mean, <laughs> it's got to right. be higher just by default. His average launch angle is 15.7 degrees right now, which is far and above the most that he's had in his career. But again, it's six games. So right. We'll That's see. like one hit all worth of all I'm getting. Yeah. We don't need to go so any further. So it's zero, no. zero barrels so far in the year. So womp, womp. Real quick. 
How many barrels did he have in 20? What was it? 2019? 2019, he had nine. Okay. So we're on pace for a yeah, 2019 like season. like one barrel in the next two weeks, we're good. Yeah, pretty much. Sure. But he's sure like thing. one barrel every three weeks. <laughs> right. Okay. To match 2019. <laughs> And I think saying. if he gets two, we might see a 350 hitting Kevin Newman. And if he does, if he does get two, even then we could go six weeks without a barrel. <laughs> for what it's worth, for what it's worth, he had eight last year too. Yeah, but those went in the ground. That's not even possible. I mean, you can barrel a ground ball. No, you can't. No, you can't. Yeah. I defin- by definition. My a definition barrel. of barreling something up is different than the lame ass stat cast. But that's literally that's, <laughs> no. That's what we're counting. Like that's, that's a barrel. <laughs> is it just so there's like a barrel and then there's like Tyler barrels? Right. No, where, like, where are yours counted, Tyler? I'm gonna go on that page and I'll let you know where the Tyler barrel's at. <laughs> I just want to see you hit the ball hard. Okay, well that's that's a totally different thing from a barrel. Yes, I'm aware, but if you barrel something up. To me, it means you literally hit it on the barrel. Okay. You can hit the ball on the barrel directly into the ground. It doesn't, that was my original point. Dumbass. That doesn't mean you that doesn't mean you barrel it. Yeah, well, Jim also thinks that bunning with wow up nine runs is good. So I don't care about his opinion. I'm not saying it's an opinion, it's a defined stat. Like this the stat is literally defined. It has to be I think 90- the defined stat is stupid. I think saying someone hit the ball really, really hard going three inches in front of the plate is also stupid. I wasn't saying that he hit the ball three inches in front of his plate. I'm saying you, you literally could did. Hit that's why we're at this ball. argument. You're like, no. well, you, you could barrel the ball and go in front of the plate. And that's what no, you're counting. I didn't. That is, that that's is why not we're limiting those and going with that the real barrel. That is not stat. what I said. I said you can barrel a ball and it go into the ground. Correct. By, by Tyler which, Barrel, which. As in. Is a dumb stat. You can hit a ground ball hard, you dumbasses. Correct. I understand what the barrel stat is. I'm just saying you can barrel a ball up and it be a ground ball. Okay, sure. Which does nothing. That's why you don't count it. That's why we don't. This is why all these stats are stupid. No, they're not. If you hit the ball into the ground fast, it's still going to get caught. Yeah. Like, always. So that's, you're Kevin Newman. You're, you're Eric Osmer. Why you suck. Oh, dear Lord. We're agreeing on the same thing, but we're just different on. Let's move on. Definitions here. I'm done. Kevin Newman brings the worst out of everybody, no matter what we're talking about. I'm the still in coaching mode here where I'm just hoping someone can hit the ball on the barrel. Okay. Well, they're all major leaguers, so they can. Now can they? to the outfield and not three inches off the plate. Are the, I mean, by definition, the guys on the Pirates are major leaguers, but are they? <laughs> Did you uh, watch Hoy Park try to play the outfield? Oh, do we have to go there? Do we have to go there? Is there a reason why? I mean, is, are we just going to start with the whole Diego Castillo thing? Is there a reason why Diego Castillo is not playing? No, yet we, had to watch we don't have to. Hoy Park play the outfield today and make those two mishaps. Can we talk about more fun things first? Because okay. that's going to be a whole conversation. All right. 
So why don't we do this? Why don't we back up a little bit? Brian Reynolds, Pirates, come to an agreement. Two-year, $13.5 million deal. Arbitration's gone. Don't have to worry about it. Also, don't have to worry about it for next year either. And maybe this takes a load off everyone's back, right? They can get a little bit comfortable, relax a little bit, and have some more long-term discussions. I don't know. Maybe. But regardless, this is locked up. Everything that you talked about a few weeks ago, Tyler, right? This is your star player. This is the guy you make things different for, right? You bend over backwards a little bit. We heard Nutting was disappointed. We had our, you know, talks of why the real reason may have been. But regardless, put it all behind us. It happened. That's the most important thing that came about this. Came about. It happened. Two years, $13.5 million. It's a fair, fair amount, I would say, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Good on Jason Mackey, too, Mm because he's had this for a few weeks that the Pirates are probably going to try to go for it Mm -hmm. and do it this way. Um, It just also we've trashed him, but good on Bob Nutting. He said the reports where he was disappointed. They got something done pretty quickly after. So not mad at him for a few minutes today. For a few minutes. Here comes cynical Jin. Yeah. I don't know how to how to approach this. Okay, I'm, I mean, I'll go ahead and say, like, I'm really happy that they were able to avoid arbitration, right? Um, that, that would have been worst case scenario. Things get ugly in there. You've got your team basically arguing why you shouldn't be getting paid a certain amount of money. Like, stuff comes out. It's just not a fun experience. I, I wouldn't imagine it being a fun experience for either side really uh so the fact that we avoid that this year that's really the most important part of this entire deal right because he was going to get paid regardless it was just a matter of like how much exactly and we didn't want to go through this process so we don't have to deal with that anymore we are we're set for next year too so don't have to deal with exchanging numbers for next year uh, I think the the biggest positive to take out of this is is are, are those two things and then also hopefully this means, Hey, now that we're set for these next two years, can we start talking about, you know, the next few years after that? Right. Uh, So hopefully this kind of opens the door and it keeps talks going uh, for, for a longer extension for Brian Reynolds. Um, So that's the first part. (laughs) Second part is it still doesn't really commit to him, you know, in any way. Like right. they, they committed to Brian Hayes, right? Brian Hayes committed to the Pirates. The Pirates still really ha- aren't showing any sort of commitment yet to Brian Reynolds. Um, so I, I think, like I said, happy that they avoid arbitration. Still very cautious as far as moving forward in... I'm not going to really pat the pirates on the back for this. Like this is a kind of a bare minimum thing that they should have done. Like, to be honest, why wasn't this done before are the arbitration like why wasn't this done a month ago you know like when when they were negotiating numbers we could have avoided this whole pr mess and been in the exact same spot right but we know how the pirates and pr are they're just it doesn't really seem to be a priority for them um but they took a big pr hit in in this brian reynolds thing and yeah they came up with with something that worked out but in the end people are going to remember they didn't want to pay brian reynolds right that's that's kind of going to be the that's going to be the t- the taking a taking away thing from all this. Um, 
but it doesn't, like I said, doesn't lock him up long-term still means that, you know, he's got the normal four years control that he always had. It doesn't stop the trade rumors. It doesn't stop Ben Sherrington from fielding calls. doesn't stop all the national reporters from saying, Hey, so-and-so is really super interested in this guy. And, and honestly, if anything, it, it makes Brian Reynolds almost more attractive because next year in arbitration, instead of making, you know, maybe $8 million or so, or $9 million, he's only going to be making six and a half million dollars. So he's even going to be cheaper for any sort of team who wants him, who, uh, who wants him next year. So um, good job on getting it done, avoiding arbitration, but we'll see. Like it's, it's, it's a wait and see approach for me with the Pirates and Brian Reynolds right now. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it's definitely a wait and see type of deal, but it's a step in the right direction towards a potential extension. I mean, we, like you said, we saw, we see arbitration hearings go bad quite often. Look at the Cubs and Chris Bryant. That was an absolute nightmare. So getting something done, it at least saves a little face. And you did say it makes him more tradable, but also it, it puts you more towards potential extension talks. You don't have to go through that entire process of tearing the players 2020 season in 60 games down, which is all they had to go on. And I don't know, man, it's, we got to take something positive from all this. Well, and I think also, can we, can we get someone in that front office to just put a gag order out where, Every time Ben Sherrington takes a trade talk call, can we not leak it to every national reporter ever? I mean, on Brian, on Brian Reynolds. On the other side. Shut it down. Find a way. Shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> ben Sherrington needs to do a better job of leaking more meaningless news to those reporters so that they shut the hell up whenever he feels a call. <laughs> Um, um good luck yeah, i mean yeah i mean if you if you think about it like it's never really the pirates guys who are leaking trade rumors so yeah my, my feeling is it's other gm saying yeah we're calling on brian reynolds you know we're yeah we're find a way to figure that he's out available yeah i don't i don't know what fair, ben can really do there like go back as you said like a few weeks ago to be fair we're getting all our brian reynolds news from craig mish in miami nothing from the Pittsburgh reporters, you know what I mean? So like, Although, that's why I kind of feel like, like how Jim's saying too, like it's probably not coming from our end at all. It's all the other GMs leaking their stuff. We're finding all this information from the other sources. Maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way though, because maybe Sherrington is doing something well, because all the trade rumors that come out about Reynolds have him asking for the absolute moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe yeah. he's just leaking that part too. Where he's, nah, but yeah, but we did feel that cold, but we asked for every single one of the top prospects ever. True, true. So, like, and, I, and I take Sherrington. This- he did address it about a week or two ago, where he was like, "He's like, I'm not the one making the calls." He's like, "People are calling me," and he was like, "They're gonna do that when there's a young, inexpensive, good player on a team that's not winning." He's like, "People are gonna call about him." Um, so he did mention that you know it's not it's not him making these calls; it's other people. I don't know. I just feel like at some point, like in the, the the asking price must be astronomical. You know, it hasn't been met yet. Clearly, there seems. I mean, there's 
plenty of teams that would love to have Brian Reynolds on them, like plenty. Uh, and no team has been able to provide Ben Sherrington with a package that let that that makes him go, okay, let's do it, right? No one's done it yet. Um, I guess I'm just a little worried that, like, without kind of a long-term commitment to him, like, some at some point, a team's going to meet that asking price. Um, and we'll get a haul. Like, we're going to get a haul if that's the case. But it also means no Brian Reynolds for this next competitive Pirates team. Also means that window gets pushed back probably another year or two. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That point you're looking at to Brian Hayes to be like the veteran, the big guy. Right. So like I get all that. And like I think it's fair to say, like the pirates put themselves in this situation, clearly, right? Like they had all the bad PR because they did finagle over the six hundred some thousand dollars. And, you know, they didn't come together and meet. And how do you not just come together and meet beforehand? Like, how do you take this player? to arbitration just get something done work something out meet somewhere there has to be somewhere they could have met at and they didn't right but all things being said move forward they lock up cabron hayes which i think most of us thought that was going to be a hard task and again like you didn't hear that they were talking to cabron hayes much until like right beforehand and we heard it was uh like a you know not a good deal and then right before the, like the season it, it happens they lock him up so awesome. Maybe they're a little bit serious about this. Um, you know, and, and again, nothing came out, was vocal about it. We feel there might be other reasons. It wasn't so much that he was upset. They didn't get it done. Maybe it's because he got the backlash, the bat, you know, the bad PR and such, but regardless, he was upset. And now, you know, a week or so later, this gets done. Just as they said, they're looking to get a two year deal. So, right. Like he's not extended. This isn't an extension. You know, his timetable doesn't change any, all it does, though, is you have that out, out, out of the back of your mind. You know, he, you don't have to worry about Brian Reynolds any longer, about any arbitration this year or next year. And what I'll say is it is not an extension. It's not long-term, but it does show, like, that little bit of good faith, that little bit of commitment. You know, like, you did offer him a contract. You could just have done this year. You could have just met in the middle of this year and said, I hope you have a bad season this year so we can find you cheaper next year. You know, like, I hope you fail <laughs> so we can get a, you know, a lower dollar amount. You know, they did show I don't know what some they're doing with Cruz type. Right. Right. We don't got to go back to that, do we? Not we yet. Still, no, not let's yet. not. No, not today. Not today. But it's like they did show a little <laughs> bit of commitment and maybe that does help mend whatever some type of bad blood that might have been there or whatever. Right. Um, and as Tyler said, to work on that long-term term deal. Because that's all you have to work on now. You don't have to worry about arbitration. You don't have to worry about anything now for two years. It's just extending him long-term if that is truly what you want to do. Yes, Jim, I could definitely see he's more marketable now, right? And, like, you can you can budget that. You know what his salary is next year as well. You don't have to pretend and go to arbitration to find out. So it does make him a little marketable, but... I'm trying to lose that mindset right now. I'm trying to like, as Tyler said here, taking some of the positive. They did bad things, but they're going in the in the right direction and, and give them a little bit of credit for doing it. They didn't, they didn't have to. You said the bare minimum. They didn't have to do this. Like They could go to arbitration. They could try to fight and win it. They did, you know, they did sign them to this two-year deal. So baby steps, 
but let's see everything through before we start popping champagne and throwing parties. It is a baby step, but also it it's kind of a bigger step for the Pirates as they're a traditional just file and trial right. type of team. Right. <clears throat> they wouldn't, they normally would never do this. They would have just went to that hearing and done whatever their arbitrator came out with. But true. You mentioned that it's not an extension type deal. I just keep thinking about that picture on Facebook that I saw that terms met for Brian Reynolds. It's like two year deal and seeing people freak out because it seemed like they signed into an extension when it was just like an arbitration hearing. Yeah. But it happened. Yeah. That's all. yeah. It happened. It's it's good that it happened. There's no complaints, I think, by anyone here. I think it's just like, okay, they got it done, but let's they shouldn't it. be done yet. Yeah, let's let's finish it. Yeah. How are they gonna screw it up? <laughs> right. Oh boy. All right. So moving on. We've got the signings out of the way. Back to the game, right? Four hit vote with lock. Newman driving the ball a little bit. What what else do we see here? I mean, I want to talk about Rowansy. Rowansy, uh, Rowansy for yes. sure. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Let's let's Rowansy. talk about that. Three um, innings pitch. I mean, he looked one hit, one walk, five strikeouts. Fastball slider plays so well. That slider looked he nasty. looked electric. Um, <laughs> I mean, just absolutely electric. He nine nine swings and misses he generated in those three innings. He led the you know had more than anybody in the entire game. He was pumping ninety eight. That slider, no one put his slider in play. Um, he threw nine of them. Five of them were swings and misses. And two were foul balls and two were balls. Like it was just an incredibly effective pitch tonight. Uh, and then couple that with, like you said, Tyler, the fastball, that fastball slider combo was just, it was deadly. Um, and then he, and he makes, elevated he made, it well. He did. He was elevating the fastball top half of the zone. He, I mean, he, yeah, it was just overall great, great game. And then the curveball was working too. Um, Got some swings and misses with the curveball too. He threw, threw more curves and sliders actually, but uh, just a good, good mix of his pitches. And I think it was Joe Block who, or maybe it was even uh, it was a Bob Walk in the the booth today too with him. But um, just not not necessarily. Yeah, he's got the stuff. Like the stuff is there, and it's clearly ridiculously good, right? But. Like he was using it correctly tonight. He was using everything correct. He was effective. He was he wasn't just out there throwing gas. Like he was pitching tonight, and it it showed. And it was the best that we've seen him so far. I've seen him three times. <laughs> right with that. Right, we've seen him three times. But that yeah. was that was his best. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It, it absolutely was like, I was very impressed. And the other thing I want to say about this too, is like the way they're using them. I know Tyler was um, a little perturbed, I guess that he's not starting kind of in the middle. Um, but regardless, it seems as if what they're doing with him is 
kind of like a pseudo start. Like he's not starting, but he's he's eating innings. Like they're going to build up his arm strength. Like you see him go longer and longer each time. So maybe it's like they're taking a little bit of the pressure off. Like he's not starting, but he's getting his innings in each time. Are you? Do you feel better about the way he's being used right now, Tyler, than you were before? Indifference? No. What? No, I, I still don't like it. Truthfully, if they're going to limit his innings, I prefer if they're so in love with you know their five starters right now and wanting to suppress Ronzi's innings. I'd rather just maybe cut one of those bench spots and go to a six man rotation mm-hmm. and maybe save his innings that way. I just don't like the idea of having him come out of the pen every, you know, maybe four days should be five, but I'd rather him just get in the rhythm of getting that start. Maybe going four innings. I'd rather go that route. Uh, but I don't know. I don't get paid to big bucks. Not with that lighting. <laughs> um, again, like I think, uh, you know, my original opinion on this was, yeah, I would much rather see him starting, but at the same time, like they they do need to do some sort of inning management with him this season, right? Like they he he shouldn't throw more than probably 110 pitches, 110 innings this this season. So, you know, how are you going to do that? How are you going to still get him out there? He went three innings today through 50 some pitches, uh, 46 pitches. 46. Um, yeah. And he, he, he thrived in it. Right. So I think there's also a, a thing where like, you know, and we've, we've talked about this before, but like, look at the brewers, right. And like the brewers have kind of used this method with almost all of their pitching prospects where like, they'll bring them up, they'll throw them in the bullpen for a little bit to kind of get used to the major leagues used to, you know, kind of settle in and then they put them in their rotation. So, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen this strategy plenty of times. I think the pirates just, for some reason, we, we really haven't seen it utilized by the pirates at all. Uh, like if it's somebody who's a starting pitcher, they're a starting pitcher and they, they're a starting pitcher. Right. Uh, and I think a lot of that just has to do with in the past 15, 20, 30 years, um, anybody who can basically pitch multiple innings, like has to be a starter on this team, um, just because of the lack of talent at that position. Um, but, uh, no, like I said, we've, we've seen it before, you know, we saw, saw with Brandon Woodruff, saw with Corbin Burns in Milwaukee. So like, we've seen it utilized. I'm okay with it for now. I do though, at some point this year, want to see him in the rotation, getting a start, every five days. And, and honestly, if we, if this keeps up where he's doing this, you know, every, every four or five days out of the bullpen, like maybe come may, you know, you, you put him in there and he's locked and loaded. And that's where I'm at. Like, I'm okay with this, seeing how he's being used, not just like your traditional reliever where he's just coming in for an inning, whatever it appears he's, you know, he's building up. I mean, he's today, he was out there for three innings. So like I said, it's not really like a, a piggyback per se, because he wasn't even the first reliever in, right? It was, yeah, it was, it was Banda. So, it seems so like he was the first in. reliever in for a clean inning. Right. Like, yeah. So, it, it's not so much like a piggyback start, but in a sense, that's kind of how they're using him. You know, Brubaker, of mm-hmm. course, they probably don't want Brubaker to only go 4.1, but he goes 4.1. 
Wanda comes in to complete the five, and then he goes out for three. So, like, he's getting the innings work in and then taking days off. So, like, I'm okay with this route if that's the route they're going. Um, but I'm, like, with you too, Jim. If he keeps this up, he has to earn his way into that rotation. Like, you can't just continue doing this. If he's lights out, there's – Tyler, you said something about the Pirates are comfortable and, like, these guys in the rotation to suppress, you know, whatever. There's nothing in this rotation that you can be excited about or, like – Maybe Mitch Keller, right? After that, there's no one that's going to hold Rowansey back. If he's pitching like this, eventually he has to get his spot in that rotation because you you can't you can't keep him in this in this in this bullpen. You just can't do it. Yeah, and I don't I don't love the option of a six man rotation, but it's more just a way to suppress his innings while I also just don't like the idea of having him heat up in the bullpen. I know the Brewers have done it before. We've talked about this particularly with Mitch Keller mm-hmm. during his struggles. That's with a Brewers rotation that doesn't suck ass. Our rotation sucks ass. So I'd rather just go with the six man let him face an order through it's the way they're doing. It, it's not bad because they are really controlling what he's doing. They're not using him like what I was afraid of. Like they would use him in a similar fashion of Dwayne Underwood where right. they just burnt the hell out of him. That was more of a concern. And they're, they and are controlling replace Underwood. Like he, took right. Spot. So we're probably seeing Will Crow move more into that role. Uh, but it's, I don't know, it's maybe just a fickle thing where I, it's just being a fan. I just want to see him start. That's really what it comes down to. Really, there's maybe what mm-hmm. they're doing is correct. I don't care. I just want to see the guy start. Well, I also want to do what's correct. <laughs> I know, but I'm just being a fan here. I want to see the guy start. You can do it yeah, both ways. Yeah, but you ways. like barreling the balls into home plate. So your opinions That's are also That's not what terrible. I said at all. Yeah, well, Jim likes to up nine. That pattern. I think all of us want to see Ramsey Contreras start. Like that's not like <laughs> all of I us know. want to see that. You know, uh, as as fans, yes. Ideally, he's going out there every fifth day. You know, we have like a Rowanzi day, right? And it's we, we get all excited for his starts, and he comes out there and he shoves. Right, that's ideal situation. Um, I think we'll be there soon. So I, I agree. I would say like in a month, you know, probably tops, you know, he's, he's in that rotation because yeah. He, or, I mean, who knows? We could also see them. They, they do need to maybe manipulate some Contreras service time too. You know, if we're, if we got to need to talk about that, right. Cause they probably Let's don't want them getting when they get there. there, but they also could utilize like, like for the innings limitations, right? Like, I mean, they could just pitch them until early September and say, okay, you reached your 110 innings. You're being optioned to the minors the last month of the year. Like that's also a thing that could happen. Sure. Um, but uh, that, that'll be one thing we have to keep an eye on with him just from like a thinking outside the box here, but um, no, he's looked great. And yeah, I can't wait to see more of him. Yeah. I, truthfully, I, I'm more comfortable with, him being in the bullpen now than I was when they first made the move because I've seen the way they've used them. It was more of a fear that they were going to mismanage him and 
you know, watching Derek Shelton manage a baseball team for two years who wouldn't be afraid of the way he would manage them. Right. But I'm, I'm in a more comfortable situation right now, the way they've done it. And that's, I also fair. And that's really why I liked... want to ask you that because I'm kind of like with you too. Like seeing how they're using him, I feel pretty comfortable with, with this route. I also really liked how like this first time, his first time in, it was kind of more like mop-up roles, right? Like the, the, the game wasn't a game. But like they put him in today in the sixth inning of a 6-4 game. And like that's that was semi-high leverage, right? Like he needed to go out there and he needed to put up zeros to hold that lead. And he did. So I was happy to see them at least put him in like at a close game with a lead. That was that was nice to see too. Struck out Juan Soto. No easy task. Mm-hmm. Unless you're Ronzi Contreras and JT Brubaker, apparently. Should we talk JT Brubaker? I do. I want to talk about him a little bit too, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to kick Are it off? Are we done with Contreras? Done talking about him. Yeah, with JT, um, I mean, I was maybe a little more optimistic than most on him. I know a lot of people were more on the camp that he should probably go in the bullpen. I think I'm joining that camp that he should probably go to the bullpen. The guy's just not a starter. The stuff will play at the major league level. It's just, it's not, he's just not it. He doesn't have a third pitch. The home runs are certainly an issue. The command was not there tonight. He possibly could go down as one of the worst opening day starters of all time. <laughs> well, I was I was at that Congrats, Ron Valone. JT Brubaker. <laughs> when was that Ron Valone game? Was it like 2003, 2004? I was Ron Valone, Chad Cole, JT Brubaker, Ian yeah. Snell. Mm, but like ours. Ron, Ron Valone was coming off a season where I believe his ERA was over six and he, he was named. I mean, game. JT was yeah. pushing that last year. It's close. Yeah. Um, I still think like, I want to see, cause we still haven't seen JT Brubaker as a starter, like for a full season, like last year kind of counted, but it was, you could tell that like he just died towards the end of the year. Right. Um, I do believe he'd be better suited in the bullpen. And that's kind of what that's the, that's the problem with this team, right? Like there's a lot of those guys like Brubaker, Crow, all these people we talk about, like, yeah, I feel like they'd be a lot better in the bullpen at some point. Like you need people to start games and pitch four or five innings at a time. Right. So right now the pirates are kind of in a position where like JT Brubaker has to start for them. Right. Um, so I'm cool with like, he, he can be in the rotation this entire season, honestly. Uh, I'd rather see him in there than you know, who's the who would be the number five guy. Bryce Wilson. Yeah, like, like I'd rather see Brew. I don't know then. Both of <laughs> those guys. That's the thing, though. Both, like, think yeah. about it. Are you going to move Thompson to the bullpen? He's not better there. Are you going to move? No, no. I, I mean, move Bryce Wilson there. He's not better there. Quintana. Brubaker and there. Wilson. I mean, arguably all of those guys are better in the bullpen. <laughs> so, they? but none of their stuff, none of them yeah. are JT Brubaker can get a swing and miss. Mm-hmm. Those other guys really can't. Wilson Bryce Wilson can. is the most mediocre pitcher I think I've ever seen. 
I mean, he's definitely extremely pedestrian. Like if Bryce Wilson reaches his full potential, he is a fifth starter at best um, in the major leagues. And and most likely he's a guy who is like a sixth or seventh starter who you need to make, you know, five to seven starts a year. That's probably his ideal situation there. But uh, yeah, I I mean, I, I, I'm still cool with Brubaker being in the rotation right now, but I think ultimately he ends up in the bullpen. So I'm, I mean, I'm with you. I'm with you hundred percent. Everything you said. It's just the nature of the team. Like that's just what stings. And yeah. I think it's like, it's not yeah. fair to Brubaker to put it that way. Yeah, Cause like, think about Will Crow. Like right now, early in the season, everyone's talking about Will Crow. Like about Will Crow, how good he is, how good he is. That could be JT Brubaker. Like he could be in the bullpen right now, flashing his stuff. And I was like, wow, JT Brubaker is a weapon, but instead he's forced to be in the rotation because this rotation sucks and everyone's got to trash him. And like, I'm, I'm with you, Jim. Like I will let him all form the opportunity to pitch all year. He's in that situation. He has to pitch. Um, we liked what he saw the first half of last year. And then we all, I felt he broke down and that's led to a lot of the, the disaster. I'll put it that way. The second half he had. So like, I'll give him the opportunity to go again. Now, what I want to say is actually something a little more positive though, to what you guys were saying more Tyler, like, that first inning was terrible, and I agree to all of it. I mean, you walked three guys. Clearly, your stuff wasn't there, right? But to his credit, if Hoy Park can play outfield, it's not as damaging, right? And then I just felt like he bounced back pretty well. I mean, those next three innings, even though he gave up another run, you know, the, the fourth or whatever, um, he looked decent. So, I mean, it was a much different pitcher than it was the first inning. So, like, I at least give him credit for bouncing back. And, hey, I mean, it helped, too. The Pirates gave him a lead. But, you know, like, he bounced back, and he he got through it. Because just much like the other outing where – who was it? You did the, the post game that day, Tyler. I think it was Bryce Wilson. Yeah, it was Bryce yeah, Wilson. He yeah, switched was, like, to me, mm-hmm. it was almost like the very similar situation. Like, Bryce Wilson, like – I, I credit him, you know, going forward after that first inning. And like with JT Brubaker, the same thing here. That first inning was awful and he looked awful, but then he really didn't. Uh, he was very efficient, um, hitting his spots. Like he's throwing strikes. So like, I'll at least give him that credit. Ultimately, I do believe he's a bullpen guy and same thoughts I have with Chad Cole. So mm-hmm. this isn't a bad thing, but like, I think he could be a good reliever, you know, in that bullpen. But you know what I actually do because the Pirates decided that they didn't want to have any pitchers and they designed Jose Quintana. So he you know what I actually, chance. I actually thought about a little bit. I've actually been pretty impressed with Roberto Perez. I think we saw a little bit with the Bryce Wilson start where the first inning he was heavy curveball sinker, and then it just switched. He went fastball slider. And we saw a little bit with Brubaker. And we're seeing it with Will Crow. And it might not just be Perez. Could just be hell. Oscar Marie might be doing a good job. I don't know. But even with Will yeah, Crow, yeah. we're seeing him go heavy slider right now. I think a slider is his most used pitch. Yesterday was uh, Nap, by the way, with Crow. But yeah, go ahead. What's that? I, 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 yesterday was Andrew Nap behind the plate with Crow. But yeah, keep okay. going. I agree with you. But you know, Crow is using the slider more than any other pitch and basically just eliminating the sinker. 
going fastball, slider, changeup. That's it. So, so oddly enough, oh sorry, I don't understand. So I'm looking at I'm looking at the game right now. He was very heavy slider, Brubaker as well, the first inning. Um, I mean clearly what right. happened in the second inning? What's I was that? coaching a baseball no, game saying. at that so, yeah, point. First I didn't inning, see it. A lot of slider. Second inning, he didn't throw it at all. Because Third we saw inning, that with Bryce Wilson when he started. He threw he it was once. heavy fastball or sinker curveball. Yeah. And then they flipped and went fastball slider after that. And the results were dramatically different. Fourth inning, he mixed it up. He had four sliders, five sliders. So, um, yeah, maybe something to it. Actually started throwing it more as it, as it progressed. So maybe he started throwing a couple. But at first inning, he threw a lot of sliders, none the second inning at all. So it's something to keep an eye on, on, you know, just even, you know, what they're throwing and just keep an eye on how Roberto Perez is handling the staff. Cause right now I've actually been slightly impressed by him. And I know Fort told us when we had him on that he loved him. So maybe he was right. So I'm going to go ahead and say that I've also been pretty impressed with Roberto Perez uh, defensively. Uh, he has looked really good back behind the plate. He's framing pitches well. He seems to be calling good games. The pitching staff is, you know, gelling with him, it seems like. The offense that he's provided obviously has been a bonus. And it's, I mean, let's get real. It's not really sustainable, right? Like Roberto Perez is not going to be a, above average hitter in the majors. He just ha- hasn't been that in a long time. Um, but he does add some value defensively. And yeah, I, I, um, the more I see him and the more I see Zach Thompson and think that he can be like a capable, useful guy, all that hate I had kind of swirling around that Jacob Stallings trade. I don't really hate it that much anymore. I mean, I'm also starting to like yeah. Nicholas a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, Thompson. Thompson. Nicholas. Oh. See, I think Kyle, guy. Yeah, so I think Kyle Nicholas is probably going to be best suited for a bullpen role. Um, but but he, potentially back-end reliever. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit intriguing. Yeah. Also, I Northeast agree. Ohio guy. There you go. A lot of talent out of Northeast Ohio. Maslin Jackson. Bill Gamble, head coach. So big brand here. Are we done? What other podcasts are you going to get their high school head coach from? I don't know. None that care. Yeah. (laughs) Regardless, though, Perez, I've been, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic on his on what he's done. Yeah. I think he's done a very good job with the staff so far because at least the results we've seen in game strategy wise, we've been able to see them and they've been effective. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's two that we count on the, you know, top of our head right now in the first inning, right? Wilson and then say with Brubaker, definitely a change and the results came. So not too bad. 
Not too bad. I'm still going to watch it play out a little bit more. But, um, yeah, and we have had the benefit of like, especially in the games that the Pirates have been in, right? Uh, like they're, they're putting out some of their, their better pitchers, right? Like we haven't had to fully see like the, the total depth that this pitching staff has. I mean, I, Hey, who hey, knows? Now, come on. I, I, yeah. I, I, just I, helped pitch I'll give him some no credit hitter. so far. I'll give him some credit so far, but uh, like, you know, Underwood's already gone down. Like what happens when inevitably three or four or five other pitchers go down? Like then, then what does this pitching staff look like? I don't know. I don't think it's very good, but so far so good. It's six games. I'm, 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 I'm very happy with how they've performed in those six games. Yeah. But also at that point, if five, six pitchers go down, that's not a Perez. No. Right now we're just no, seeing no, no. the guys that yeah. throw. We're seeing the adjustments that are made in game, which mm-hmm. even with Stallings, I don't think we saw. And he was a very good defensive defensive catcher. But something yeah. right now is a little bit different where they are not just sticking with what they feel like should work. Right. So, like, I give that credit, right? Yeah. And that is something we're seeing, mm-hmm. which is good to see. But this is why I also say, like, I want to see things play out because at the same time, we're seeing this against the Cubs lineup, seeing this against the Nationals lineup. None are too inspiring. So that's why I'm kind of like, I'm kind of saying, like, pump the brakes a little bit too. Like, it's good to see. And I give kudos to Wilson and JT Breaker for doing it. But to I think Jim's one to point this out. Like, okay, so D Strange Gordon started opening day for this Nationals lineup, and he couldn't even hack it for the Pirates lineup last year. So this is also who these pitchers are facing. <laughs> so like, maybe give it a little bit of time. Let's see them when they face the Brewers. Yeah, Some other good I mean, listen, right, so far, know? so far, so good. Right. Can't really. I mean, I. Can't can't complain about anything that we've seen so far out of the staff out of Perez. Like they've, they've all looked good through these six games and that's really all you can ask for. Correct. Yeah. So George will crow. Love them. I'm back on that hype train real quick. I I, I mean, I absolutely am. I feel like we're going to talk about them for quite a bit this year. Nardo, we've been on and off that damn hype train for the last last year. year. I think I wrote out the longest, but you and I, I think we're among all pirates, Twitter or whatever. I feel like you and I are probably the longest on Will Crow. Like we've, but yeah, but we've been on and off that thing. Yeah, but like he kept us. There was just this intriguing stuff with him that it's like I, I still need to see more. I still need to see more. Even that ERA was like five point whatever. You're like, but uh, there's it's it's it there's something there. And now that he's in the bullpen, we're back on it. Like full and he's sustaining that velocity. There there was an article last year about him. It's all boring stuff, blah, blah, blah. He'll connect connected to the mound, how he's at his velocity, and he fell off that. He's doing it really well right now. Velocity's there. Changeup looks good. He's got the command of it. I mean, 
Stuff-wise, the changeup's not any different. He's just commanding it well. Pitch mix is just good. Everything looks good. It does. It does. Like, there's nothing you look at right now, and, and like, you can't really pick anything apart with him. No, I mean, you look at his changeup, it's the same as last year. It's just he's commanding it better. He's throwing a slider more. The sinker's basically been scrapped. He's throwing it sparingly. Everything just looks fine. It's I'm trying to remember that Astros reliever five years ago that would go out and throw like four or five innings. Oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. I know, right? And I remember everything. Yeah, like 90 innings. I mean, I mean, thing is, yeah. he, he fell off really quickly. Um, he did. Yeah, if Will Crow falls off, Will I don't care. Oh, God, what was his name? That's going to drive me nuts. Yeah, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it, too. Is it like Colin like McHugh? No. no. Brad Peacock? Brad no. Peacock? No. He was um he was with another team not too far ago. It started with a D. I, I, could. I like. It could have. It it very well could have. <laughs> but anyways, great, just to go back to it, great very radio. good point. Because yes, he was Chris Davinsky. Yes. 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 Davinsky. See, I told you sort of the D. He had Davinsky. that year where he just good. he would go out there and throw four innings and in, like every third, fourth day, and just dominate. That's a good way of putting it. Like Crow. So the Underwood. I mean Underwood, but but good. Better. <laughs> right. And like if Crow's doing this type of stuff, this is why I think what we felt like Crow could excel in because he can do multiple innings. But he's doing multiple innings good. Like, it's not just one. He's going out there for multiple, looking good for the multiple innings. So, like, what if you do have a Chris Davinsky on this team? And, again, that's the Houston Astros are in the World Series. Like, he was a very, very valuable piece of that team. Now, it's not that we need that value for this team. but Yeah, but someone else could. If he could, mm-hmm. right. If he could potentially bring it in the future or you sell high on it because that is a very valuable piece, especially in this day and age. Maybe there's, maybe you could flip Josh Bell for a Will Crow and then flip a Will Crow for like an actual prospect. Or you get Josh Bell back. Or you don't. Or <laughs> not. Or you've got a lockdown reliever for quite some time. Probably not. Let's just, just do that. Here, here's the one thing I'll say to that, and I will live and die on this belief that if you have a very, very high reliever, sell. Like I'm on like the Neil Huntington aspect. Like I'm yeah. selling relievers all day long, especially this. I'm not, I'm not holding on to a Will Crow for two years in hopes that this Will Crow is going to give me the fruits of these labors in two years from now. Because odds are he's probably not. So, like, if Will Crow's doing all of this up at the deadline, I would be inclined to trade him ASAP. Bednar's different to me. So, here's the difference, yeah. though. Like, pitchers, like, if, if Will, if this is Will Crow, right, and we're, we've seen him three times, but if this is Will Crow, he ends up becoming one of your most valuable pitchers, like, in a postseason. Right. So if like the goal yeah, which here the pirates aren't seeing until 2025. Yeah. So okay. No, no, I, I agree. But like, I mean, Will Crow's on a free agent until like 2029. By that time, his arm's dead. Well, not 20, he's, he's, he's already 27. 
maybe maybe not i mean andrew miller was really good for a long time right i mean yep. he, he wasn't throwing three kind of chris davinsky was really good that he, year andrew yeah. miller was doing that that's that's i mean andrew miller was like the original guy who kind of came out of the bullpen and pitched just locked down relief for a couple innings yeah um, that's a very actually, he was not the closer he was actually in the postseason yeah different it's different then Okay. However, you look at it, uh, if you want to look at like actual productivity, he was a two-war mm. reliever for four years. Four consecutive years, yeah. Right. So if Will, Crow's a, if Will Crow is the Andrew Miller type, do you keep him this year? You're not going nowhere. Do you keep him next year? Going nowhere. And have him for two years. Or you trade on... And what did, what did Andrew Miller get in the return? I mean, that was... Freaking a lot, Clint Frazier. But those trades also don't. Was Frazier in that deal? I believe he was because Glaber Torres was the Chapman. So it was Frazier. Um, those time, those type of trades. But anyways, those type of trades don't happen anymore. Like people don't give up a lot for bullpen anymore. Well, Andrew Miller type, they might. And no, I'm tired of trading our good players. If we have a Listen, good player and he can too, help us, but like then I want to do the him. correct decision, not the. Fan if we're decision. talking about a reliever, the correct decision is if you have if you have one of the best relievers in baseball and he can help you win games, especially in a postseason that you're hoping to be in in two to three years. Keep them. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done trading people. Done. Okay. okay. Jim really wanted to hang on to Joel Hanrahan. We're also talking about a Will Crow. Also, right now. totally different situation. With no, no, it's not. How? Lockdown reliever. You hope to be in a postseason also on a good team. Yeah. Also, different type huh. of pitcher. Like Joel Hanrahan was a closer, one inning guy. One inning guys are a dime a dozen. He was also thirty. You know, Will Crow's not that. There aren't pitchers that throw like what we've seen. God, it, I don't want to say it, but it's been six games that have what yeah. that can do what Will Crow has done. Right. So, like, if Will Crow is really good, and like I said, well, this is six games, we're like way ahead of ourselves. I know. We, we really we're are. We're arguing really about. Are. We really, really we're are. arguing about a guy that's probably going to finish but, the year with a five ERA. I know, right? But like, we're going to spend a whole Will segment Crow on him. Ends up being if Will Crow ends up being like that dude and just shoves out of the bullpen, I don't want to trade him. Like, I want to keep do. him. Give me, give me. Okay. Well, there's our difference. There's our difference. I don't. Well, you're dumb. And then in 2025, Jim when the Pirates are in the playoffs, so they don't and they don't have any relief pitchers. They they're going to lose in the first round. They'll have oh, they'll just, have. Go, they'll they just have. go sign a John Axelrod or go trade for a Joaquin. What was his name? Yeah, and Sorry. you know how many? Sorry, you know how many? You know how many postseason series the Pirates won with those guys? Zero. How many the the team sucks. Crow. You know why? Because they couldn't hit the damn ball. They also we will just fundamentally disagree from, on this. Scoring more runs. This is the one side where I fully agree on. If you are right now on this losing team and you have a, a if Will Crow is doing this, like that's we're still at. He's probably not. And we're arguing yeah. with this hypothetical. But if Will Crow is this type of pitcher at the trade deadline, I am selling as high as I freaking can, unless there truly isn't that type of return coming back. 
if I can net a good ass return for Will Crow, I'm doing it because I don't need like what's, Will what Crow does that for mean? the next few years. What is that? What does that mean? What's a good ass return for Will Crow? We're, like, are we talking? Are we talking a top ten prospect like Clint Frazier was when that happened? Or are we so that's talking, probably not going to happen. Like a, but what if or it's are a, we talking a Clay Holmes? What if it's a Clay Holmes deal and we get a Diego no, Castillo? That, type? That's no, because we're talking Clay Holmes isn't what this Will Crow is going to be. See again, what I'm getting at. If Will Crow Clay is Holmes this, has been unreal. For, like, yeah, but we're so talking like, about this hypothetical year, so. where, right? But Will Crow in mean, our sorry, hypothetical, Clay Holmes was not. So if okay, Will Crow, so that's is, my so that's my question. Is Will Crow like if if are who are you getting for Will Crow? Like, what's the scenario here? If someone's going to give us their top prospect for Will Crow, then yeah, you do it. But like, if someone's just going to give us some random people who could eventually maybe be good one day, then no. But that's like, not I'm capitalizing. That's Will what I'm Crow. getting at. I'm not talking about just some random person. We're, if that's, you're that's telling me you have Andrew Miller 2.0 right now in our hands, and at the trade line, you. you see Andrew Miller. 2.0. I'm capitalizing the hell out of it. So like, give me an example. Like what you would it any, take? Any, any top, any top prospect. I mean, you just said, you just said Andrew Miller got Clint Frazier. Clint Frazier was like a top 10 prospect in all of baseball. So right. yeah, if someone's going to offer, offer like Noel V Marte, the Mariners going to give us Noel V Marte for Will Crow, then yeah, you take it. But if like we're talking about just like some guy who could be good, maybe then no, I'm not. Okay, I got one for you. What if they offer you like an O'Neill Cruz type of guy? O'Neill Cruz is the number eight prospect in baseball when he got traded. No, I'm not. I mean, O'Neill Cruz was a six was a seventeen year old guy who hadn't played in America yet. I'm not doing that. I mean, <laughs> O'Neill Cruz doesn't. O'Neill, O'Neill cruises don't typically turn out to be O'Neill cruises. I'm I'm saying in that obviously he doesn't because yeah. there's no six seven shortstop unicorn hanging around. No, but what I'm if you're saying, hey, do you trade him for a 17 year old who okay. was just signed out of the Dominican Republic? How about a uh, No. If the okay, if the pirates are in the situation they're in, let's well, just like say Pagero now or Pagero when he was traded. Hold on. If Pagero now is like a Pirates top are, 80 guy. The Pirates are in a situation where they are 20 games under 500 at the trade deadline, which they probably will be. And the option is Will Crow, who's thrown really well, traded for a Pagero that was a return for Starling Marte. You make so that like, trade? Well, that's my question. Like, is this is this Pagero no, two the, years the ago Pagero, or the Pagero the now? Pagero two years ago. No, I'm not trading him for a 19-year-old who never played above rookie ball. Okay, so then you would have never made the Marte trade. I would have never made the Marte trade. Okay, we're on the same page on that one, but I just want to be sure. Yeah. Jeez. But I would make that trade because it's a reliever for a potentially projectable shortstop. We are spending way too much time on Will Crow. We really are. We are. We're uh, way we are. too much and time. And it's a hypothetical. Way too much time. This is the worst part. It's yeah. just, this is the dumbest conversation we've ever had. And we've had dumb conversations. No, nah, we talked about sets now late <laughs> for like an hour. How about Aaron Fletcher shutting the door? There you go. Bring up. Speaking of people we spent way too long on, Aaron Fletcher. Yeah, you you guys go ahead and talk about that. I'm going to go pee. Yeah, I, I have nothing to I say. I don't care about, about Fletcher. I, I guess really like the really only main thing I really want to talk about 
Um, I mean, Hayes, of course. I don't know. We want to talk looks about great. He's, hey, he looks great. I know we had I mean, that he just absolutely looks great on third base, I guess, but defensively, he looks absolutely incredible. Yes. Um, another stolen base. Offensively, he's hitting the ball hard. One thing, obviously, is just he needs to get some some air under his balls, air air under his batted balls, right? Um, because right now he's hitting the ball really hard, but he's just not, you know, if we're, if we're using the, the technical definition of a barrel, right? He does not have one yet, right? But right. he is in the top, I think, 25 percentile or so in hard hit percentage. So he's hitting the ball hard. He's just not hitting the ball hard in an angle that's going to generate uh, extra base hits, right? So that's clearly the, just the next step for him. Like, keep hitting the ball hard, but, like, figure out a way to get some lift on it. Uh, because you know it would be nice if he could turn into like a, a 20 homer type of guy right I, I think that's well within uh a reasonable expectation and and hope for him is that you know he's a average to above average hitter with just gold glove defense and if you put those two things together then you have a really special talent right yeah like, like the the exit velocity is basically back to his rookie year, right? And rookie season, well, yeah, 92.8. This year, 92.6. Launch angle, like you're saying, though, is much different. So 7.4 degrees. This year, 2.5, which is back to what he was doing last year. Like, it's not really getting left, like you mentioned. Not saying it can't come, but you're absolutely correct. Like, if he can do that, if he can do what Kevin Newman's doing right now, (laughs) get the ball into the air, you know, then he could be an absolute stud. Because we see what the defense is. It's just amazing. Um, and then I guess lastly, to make to make our other NS9 member look dumb, really glad silly, I could chime in on Cabrian Hayes. You had it to go pee. Yeah, I was gonna say something, but it's cool. Go ahead, cool. go ahead. I was just gonna say he is back to his rookie year approach where he's doing really well at hitting the ball hard off though. Like you guys said, it's it's going into the ground a lot, but he he does have that inside out approach right now. He's hitting the ball hard. The launch angle needs to come, but at the same time, it's good to see him hit it hard. Um, it should be a relatively okay, easy fix. Hopefully, if he can just get some extension, I mean, I'm happy with him. And I think most importantly at this point mm-hmm. in time too, which I think we've put it past us already, but just the fear of God we all had us and us from game one when he went out injured, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh boy, how long is this going to linger? And he just came back and didn't miss a beat. I mean, this guy, like you said, just drilling the ball. So clearly not an issue. Didn't put any injury behind us, right? Not to worry about that. Um, so you done now, Tyler? No, go ahead and move on to the next one. Okay, so I was going to say, in the next, right, Brian Reynolds looked really good again. Home run today. Brian Reynolds is, air quotes, back, even though he never really left. Nothing to worry about with Brian Reynolds, right? I'm never going to be worried about Brian Reynolds. His swing does not change. The guy is just as smooth at the plate, I think, I've seen. I mean, his home run ball today, it looked like it was just – yeah, it was just a perfect swing. 
like like it was coming off of a tee and the ball was just blasted um yeah he absolutely no worries about reynolds i think he's good to go he is locked in he got on base five four times today four times two walks two walks and two hits i mean yeah he's good brian reynolds is yeah. good at baseball he's talked about it like that 2020 season it was just basically getting on time with the pitcher mm-hmm. swing wise mechanically he's obviously all the way there there's nothing wrong with it it's not like you look at him and like a cabrian hayes well we got to adjust this launch angle there's nothing you got to do with him he's if he's on time he's fine yeah and that's what i'm going to get here too mm-hmm. like again i know it's it's so early in the season we're talking you know six games or whatever but for anyone who is wondering like what brian reynolds really is because he has that 2020 season then he saw last year is he something in the middle whatever and it's just like so far you're seeing out of spring you're seeing now that I don't – there's nothing that screams to me that last year was a fluke. It looks more and more as if, like, this is who Brian Reynolds is. And Sounds like Lord, a guy you play want to walk up to. That play he made in center mm-hmm. field wasn't fancy, but it was impressive the other day. Yeah. It was Not close so- to what Hayward did on him. The one where he was going to his right. Is that what yeah. one you mean? Yeah. He got a he got a bad jump on the ball, but he was able to recover and make the play. So like, I don't think it should have been that interesting, but I'm, he made the play. That's at the end of the day, that's what that's what matters. But he can play. That's what really makes you want to lock him up is that he can play a center field now. He's not a corner outfielder anymore. I'm with you. And it if you move him to the quarters, he's going to be fine there, but you can get a few good years out of him in center. And then you got a Kutch Marte situation, right? You got two center fielders in your outfield that you need in PNC Park. <laughs> Shit. Are we talking about Cruz? <laughs> I don't know. Definitely not Hoy Park. I don't know who the other option is in the outfield right now. Mariznick. I mean, is is, yeah. is that he's a guy? An option? He's a guy. Are we? Yeah, he's a guy. I mean, defensively, who can play it? He actually is a, an outfielder, which is nice because yeah. you know they're putting infielders in the outfield right now, and as we saw today, sometimes it makes people look silly. Right. Speaking of that, can we get to the Diego Castillo talk? Please. Let's do it. Let's finish it off with that. So why is he not playing? I'm, I'm tired of seeing this, and it just boggles my mind, and I hate it, and I hate it, and I don't care what anyone has to say. I want to hear all your excuses. Tired of giving you know excuses for Shelton and them. Diego Castillo was called up to play Major League Baseball. He is a rookie. He is a guy who needs at-bats. You called him up. Why would you call him up if you don't want to play him? Just he serves better in AAA then. And now, like, it makes me think, too, if Cruz was the one up here, is this what they'd be doing to Cruz right now? Like, if, if this was the if this is the game plan, like, if it's, this is the situation, it was either Diego Castillo or O'Neill Cruz, then I'm happy Cruz is in AAA. Because this isn't going to help him sitting and watching the games on the bench. 
So Diego Castillo gets called up. He had a fantastic spring. He's done well every game he's played in, but yet we have we have Josh Van Meters making starts. Starts. Two starts in five games. 40% of all baseball games played. A Josh Van Meter started those games. Yeah, two of six. Well, as of yesterday, it was two of five. <laughs> but it would have yesterday. been three of seven. Well, true, because the one got rained out. Why is like I get the rotation, but like why is Josh Van Meter taking away time from anyone on this team? Especially Dave. Why is Hoy Park taking? Well, that's another one. But we, but like we, you want to give him a start. Like like Hoy Park should be the Josh Van Meter. Yeah. Here's one or two. I don't get it. <laughs> um I really don't. Josh Van Meter is the 28th guy on this team. As soon as rosters, you know, go back to 26, like Van Meter's gone. Like there's absolutely no spot for him on this team. And maybe they keep him just because they have to take away two pitches. Who knows? But like Josh Van Meter is the last player on this team. Um, they added him at the very last second, right before opening day. He was, he was, the Diamondbacks didn't want him. And we're talking about one of Who the needs? only teams that one of the only teams that finished worse than the Pirates last year. They they had Josh Van Meter and they were like, you know what? We're too good for Josh Van Meter. Josh Van Meter isn't good enough to play on our shitty baseball team. So the Pirates, not only did the Pirates acquire him, but they actually like gave up a person with a heartbeat to acquire Josh Van Meter. Somehow they did this thing. And now Josh Van Meter is taking playing time away from players who may or may not be good, right? And, and Diego Castillo is obviously the, the one who we want to see, but like the whole point of this is like, let's see Diego Castillo. I don't understand how he's not in the lineup at all. Like you would think, like people are, you know, you got the people who are like, well, you know, this isn't Sheldon making the lineup. This is Sharrington making the lineup, or these things are set, you know, these are set, you know, you know, far in advance or whatever. I don't care about any of that. Like Diego Castillo was a guy who Ben Sherrington acquired in a trade. Like Sherrington should want to be like, hey, look at look at this guy that I got, right? He should want to show him off, if anything. Um, he was the hottest hitter in spring training. He's started two games now out of six, two games out of six. I mean, it seems like he's, they're just going with a straight platoon role here. Diego Castillo has not started in a game that the opposing team started a right-handed pitcher. So, I mean, if you want to kind of look at patterns here, he started two games versus lefties. He has not started against a right-handed pitcher this year. Is he ever going to start against a right-handed pitcher? I guess we'll we'll find out and see. But it's it's dumb because like every time when he's been in the games, he has performed like he's hitting 385 and it's only 13 plate appearances. Like let's see more Diego Castillo. Currently Josh yeah. Van Meter and Ahoy Park combined are 0 for 11. Diego Castillo is not out here hitting John Nagowski bloop singles and hitting 400 for a week and everyone's saying to lock him up. <laughs> Secondly, if you're trying to tell me here that the Pirates are setting lineups three weeks in advance when they acquire a Josh Van Meter, the 
like the day before opening day and leaving Diego Castillo, who Ben Sherrington actually acquired, who would make him look very good if he panned out. And he is telling Derek Shelton that he needs to start Josh Van Meter, a guy that nobody knew who the hell he was a week ago, over him. You are the most naive individual of all time. One, there's no chance that this team is ever going to plan out a lineup three weeks in advance. There is an idea. If you believe that they're actually setting a lineup, you're an idiot. I don't want to hear your opinion. You're stupid. There is no excuse for Dio Castillo to not be in the lineup over the handful of trash-ass middle infielders that they have on this roster. They're tossing out there in right field like Hoy Park. Dio Castillo can play pretty much anywhere on diamond. You can toss him in right field. He'll make as bad of a play as Hoy Park. It doesn't matter. He can actually hit the ball. They're acquired in the same trade. Why is Hoy Park getting the preference here? Right. Hoy Park probably should not be on the team right now if there is a real offseason. No, he should be in there's AAA. No, yeah. There's absolutely no excuse to not play Diego Castillo every single day right now. There are too many bad baseball players on this team right now to not play him. Diego Castillo might be bad. It doesn't matter. I would like to know if he's bad. And the thing is, like, you, right, you would like to know. But the problem is, so far, he hasn't been bad. He hasn't earned a spot on the bench. He's done the opposite. You know who's earned a spot on the bench? The players that have been bad, which is the guys that are starting over him. Like, that's, you would look at Josh Van Meter and say, oh, I'll tell I'll give you this. He hasn't been on the team. It's been a minimal starts, right? Hoy Park doesn't look good. Okay. Up until today, Cole Tucker hasn't looked good. You have a guy who came out of spring as your, your hottest hitter, who's carried over so far in the major leagues, who is a young rookie, who you, again, you're talking about development. You want to get him at bats to develop still, right? It's not over. You're not done. So you don't want to waste him away on a bench. And how many off days have you had so far? And then count in that rain, you know, that, that rained out day, postponed, whatever. So you've had all these off days. You can't tell me that people need days off and rest in that sense, right? Oh, we had we had to sit them. You've, you've played like a game and been off a day, you know, how many times? So, like, you don't have that thing. And, and you're right. Like, I don't want to hear the excuse of, well, this is how they do it. Like, well, they plan these out in advance. Cool then that's the problem. That is a dumb idea. And that's why I'm going to call you out on that then. Because if I can't call you out for not playing him because you make these in advance, well, I'm calling you out. That's the dumbest thing I've heard. Because yes, you can have a macro level at this, right? You can look at this entire thing and here's your ideas, right? We want to give this guy a day off here, this guy a day off here. Like you plan this out, right? But then you have to like micromanage it. Things change. Things happen. Do you know who the schedule starter is going to be in three weeks, four weeks, two weeks, however long you go in advance? No. Do you maybe want to get this guy, like keep this guy in the lineup? You penciled it off because maybe he's hitting like 800 against them. Or, you know, now this guy has a cold spell. Do you maybe want to get him out of the lineup? Maybe this guy is hot. Like Diego Castillo hasn't shown any reason to not be in the lineup. Do you want to continue to give him a day off every day? 
you have to manage this like on a day-to-day level too. So if your whole idea on premise is we, we just, this is how we do things around here. We plan out in advance. Well, I'm showing you that's a terrible idea. So stop it. I don't get it. Truthfully, I, I just think the entire idea that they are planning out lineups is just wildly inaccurate reporting. Because by planning out lineups, I think what the Pirates were trying to say is, so in two, in a week, we have a early game. Our starting catcher will not be starting. We're assuming a lefty will be in there, so we'll probably go heavy, heavy righty. So whoever's the lefty is going to get a day off. Like Ben Gamble, for example, is probably not going to start that day. We'll schedule a day off. They're not legitimately going in there and going, ah, well, three weeks from now, we're going to start Josh Van Meter for five straight days. Right. And then three weeks comes up, like, oh, well, this is what this guy uh, says. Yeah, we Sorry, can't do you got to uh, sit. He, I know you went five he, for five yesterday and four for four the day before, but think. Sorry. Is that not dumb? You're a manager. That's how you manage things. That's your approach. This is what I said three weeks ago. So I can't change it, even though you have all the control of changing it. So that's just terrible ability on your end. Just like it was terrible ability on Ben Charrington's end to say that he decided on, you know, March 20th, did he want to make O'Neill Cruz an outfielder? Well, that was a terrible idea. Why didn't you do it earlier? So you're an idiot. That had its own reasoning. I think this one's just, this one to me is on Shelton. Well, that's what I'm getting at. I just, I can't get to the spot in my brain where Ben Sherrington is going into a meeting every day with Derek Shelton and saying, we're going to sit Castillo again. Give me some more Josh Vameter. Yeah. I can't do that. I, I can't. As a rational human being, think about walking into somewhere. If I'm a GM and going, that guy I traded for the last year that's hitting real well. Yeah, I like that guy that's 28 and has never hit in his life. <laughs> Just a little bit more. Yeah, it's going to be interesting here because, like I said, I brought up that they've kind of been doing this platoon situation there. Um, tomorrow, righty on the mound for the nationals, but then the pirates face three straight lefties. So do we see Castillo tomorrow? Do they sit him again tomorrow and then play him three games in a row against lefties? I don't know. I'm, well, I'm, I'm interested to see how these lineups are going into the weekend. Cause it does line up for Castillo to get some playing time as a right-handed hitter. Uh, with a lot of lefty bats, you know, in, in this lineup right now, uh, with with like I said, back to back to back left-handed starters coming up here this weekend. But I agree with everything you said. Like, there's no reason why. Castillo, I, I've said my piece on Castillo. I think. Yeah. Good deal. Well, yeah. well that's how we'll end it then. Diego Castillo needs to be in this damn lineup <laughs> for many, 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 many reasons. All we don't of them even need being to the it. correct reasons. We didn't even have to discuss Hoy Park, Kevin Newman, Cool Tucker, 
whatever other scrub shithole they put out there. Van meter. That was the scrub shithole. Yeah. I'm just going to keep pounding it. I just don't get it. Like, he shouldn't even be on the team. It doesn't even make sense that he was acquired. We talked about when that happened. Didn't even make sense. Yeah, well, to be fair, Jim quoted Rumbunner and gave us a reason why. But that reason, no, that, 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 <laughs> that reason to, to was the, to the point, valid at right? that point. Like, so at least there's, there's something to it, but that didn't even come to fruition. Hayes is healthy. Mm-hmm. So that is null and void. <laughs> sure. We could handle that real quick. Whenever roster's trimmed down. Yeah. Well, then why you he could go starts f- that you're going to cut just, here in a few weeks. He could go all Moneyball, Billy Bean, the fake movie, and know what? I'm going to get rid of him. <laughs> all right. Let's wrap it up. Let's get out of here. We'll be back later. If you're watching along on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us a like. Appreciate it. Uh, listen to the podcast. Appreciate you guys too. See you later. Bye bye. Peace out, Scouts. See you guys.